USA is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in. Broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap Committee, live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And I'm wishing each and every one of you out there a very merry Christmas and a very happy new year. Thanks for being here. Of course, the time of the live broadcast for those of you who are listening to the podcast after the fact or listening on terrestrial radio, hearing a rebroadcast of the show. Uh, I happen to be doing this live on a Sunday afternoon. It is December 19th, 2021, and I am so very happy to have you here with me. I'm uh, going to jump right into things because uh, it's been a busy day. There's lots of things I'm going to have to try to try to barely touch on before we get to the topics I want to spend a little extra time on. But before I jump into any of that, I want to thank uh, Ron Edwards once again for having me on his show, The Ron Edwards American Experience. Uh, you, of course, can uh, go visit theronedwards.com to find all the places where you can listen into the show and see everything else that Ron is up to, and I highly recommend you do just that. Ron was in a, a super salty mood today, uh, and uh, rightfully so, I might add, uh, uh, recounting the story of a CNN producer and his uh, proclivities. I will leave it like that. It is the kind of thing that gets you riled up when you spend any time thinking about it. Uh, I seem to recall just last week getting kind of riled up a little bit myself about a story where the CIA was kind of looking the other way uh, with deviance that happened to be contracted to them. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember that. But anyway, uh, thank you, Ron, uh, for uh, having me on. Uh, just the one segment this time, but uh, it was a pretty good segment, I think. And Ron, uh, like I said, he was on fire for the show. Be well worth you taking a moment out of your time to go check him out. In the meanwhile, let's uh, let's jump into things. First and foremost, Build Back Bubkiss seems to be on the back burner for now. Why? Because it's officially Christmas time in D.C., uh, meaning that oh, the House and the Senate have both adjourned for the rest of the year. So Biden's legislative agenda is 
on hold. Now, it's not dead. Don't get overly excited yet. They're, they're going to come right back at this after they pick back up for the next session as they get past and get into the new year. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things go because the left has completely lost their collective minds over Joe Manson once again standing up and saying no. See, they don't like that word very much, do they? They can't seem to stand it. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the specifics of what some of the folks have said a little bit later in the program. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, entertaining to hear how some of these folks went off. Uh, of course, Elizabeth Warren out there, uh, last week she was talking about how gas prices were a side effect of corporate greed. Uh, then... And then it was what uh, grocery prices that was a a uh, it was an aspect of corporate greed now this week Elizabeth Warren is saying that corporate greed is behind uh, the high prices for cars now what she doesn't seem to know is anything about running a business so we'll kind of give her a pass and we'll know that she didn't teach business in college when she was a professor. She taught law. She knows a little bit about law, but not enough about actually meeting a payroll. So it makes me wonder if she actually was ever running her own law office. I mean, we've heard about what a great lawyer she was, which is what led her to becoming a great law professor. Uh, but now that I think about it, then I should probably go back and research this just to be sure. But I've only ever heard her tell stories about when she was working for someone else. I've never heard her actually say she ran her own firm at any time or was even a partner to the point, you know, that you'd be expected to understand how the business side of running an office would work. I don't think she's ever actually had to meet a payroll. I don't think she understands how business of any kind works. Here's the bottom line. Right now, because of supply chain issues, uh, computer chips are extremely hard to come by. So, therefore, the cost of getting uh, new cars that have a wealth of computer chips in them, uh, new laptops and new desktop computers that have a wealth of computer chips in them, uh, they're all, if you want something brand new and that is at least reasonable quality, uh, a little more expensive than they had been before. That has nothing to do with corporate greed. It has everything to do with supply and demand. Now, granted, ordinarily, uh, D.C. has managed to game our economy to the point that they just kind of artificially manipulate supply and demand in a lot of uh, areas. But this is one that they don't have any control over. So I'm sure in order to try and maintain some level of, hey, Democrats, please don't stop voting for us. Uh, uh, don't stop and realize for a second that we have no idea how to actually run an economy uh, that when we tell you that we can just keep printing money, that that's not eventually going to collapse everything. Don't, don't believe any of that. Don't start voting for the other side that might actually constitute common sense into the economy. Don't do that. So they have to lie. They have to tell stories. Now, I'm just, I'm not entirely certain if Elizabeth Warren is lying here trying to intentionally manipulate typical Democrat voters, or she just honestly doesn't know the difference because she's clearly never been in a position where she would be expected to know. That's all. Should I give Pocahontas the benefit of the doubt? Mm, I'm going to say probably not, uh, just based on her Indian heritage alone. Uh, so anyway, we've also got some really smart people asking a, a really good question. That's another quick uh, headline that I'm just going to kind of scheme over because cause it is a very good question. And in fact, I kind of asked the question myself before I'd heard other people had started doing it. So, hey. That means I'm in pretty good company. But the question in question is, why hasn't Jesse Smollett been charged with perjury? I mean, every juror has come out now and said they knew that he was lying to them to their face. Uh, the evidence is pretty conclusive and pretty damning that he did, in fact, stage this hate crime, including a practice run that happened beforehand. 
Uh, only uh, the most delusional of individuals are denying at this point that this was, in fact, a hoax. So why? Why hasn't Mr. Smollett been charged with perjury yet? Uh, it would be appropriate. And quite honestly, I think it would be a good step. Not that I really want to pile on. I, I'm not the kind of guy that likes piling on. I think when somebody's finally getting their comeuppance, if they had it coming, then hey, that's great. But uh, I don't have to celebrate or be jubilant. And even though I do sometimes find myself doing exactly that with some people, in some cases because of how obnoxious they were, this is actually one where... I, I kind of think that having to look people in the eye now and knowing that uh, it's going to be a little while before he can get back to his chosen profession, that probably is going to send a pretty strong message. But this really is another opportunity to send that message because here's the thing. We have one of the greatest legal systems on the planet, bar none. We do. It's far from perfect. But it's pretty daggum good. In fact, I would take it over any of the others that are out there. But there is a caveat for what makes it work best, and that is that we literally treat everyone identically, that we treat everyone the same. I'm not saying pile on to one guy because he's on the different political aisle, he believes he's part of a different political tribe, uh, because he has a different color skin, because he has a different sexual preference, uh, different gender. No, we need to treat everyone same, everyone equally under the law. When we do that, then it works pretty well. And when you do that for people who ordinarily uh, get preferential treatment, say a relatively well-paid uh, B-list celebrity or D-list celebrity or higher, anybody that fits into that particular category, uh, that does send a pretty strong message. And it would be nice to see some politicians face a similar uh, situation. You know, uh, accountability. Because accountability is a strong aspect of being, well being responsible and I say quite often if you're going to truly if you're going to truly embrace the idea of individual liberty uh, you need to have individual accountability if you don't then well it does no good another headline that you may have missed multiple New York Democratic lawmakers have been busted for cocaine in the past two years that's certainly interesting, to say the least. Uh, OSHA is delaying compliance and enforcement dates for the reinstated vax or test mandate. Now we're gonna we're gonna take a closer look at that a little later in the show too. But in case you've missed it, uh, yes, federal appeals court now have allowed the mandate to move forward for businesses with over a hundred employees. So. We'll take a, a more in-depth look at that. Uh, another quick hit that's barely worth a mention, but eh, the culture war makes it worthwhile. Real-world Quidditch leagues. Yeah, that that's a real thing in case you didn't realize it. Uh, they're out there uh, bouncing around on uh, their little broomsticks uh, playing Quidditch or a a muggle version thereof. A lot of them are now officially changing the name of the league, and they're not calling it Quidditch anymore because, and some of them are admitting to this, some of them are denying it, but there's no other reason other than to just go along with the ones that are, so you basically are too, because J.K. Rowling simply will not bow down to the LGBTQ plus carrot symbol uh, ampersamp uh, <laughs> She won't give up to the uh, the activists. She won't bow down. She's still claiming that trans women are still men, that uh, you can't suddenly become a woman just because you say you are. 
And that's a legitimate point of view. I'm sorry, whether you like it or not. Uh, it comes down to chromosomes, boys and girls. Your genetics tell that story. doesn't care how you surgically manipulate your body to resemble a different gender than you are born as. It doesn't matter what level of makeup you apply or not. It doesn't matter how much you work out to build a a different muscle tone. It, none of those things matter because none of that changes what your chromosomes say. You are XX or you are XY. Or if you're something else, then you are a anomaly within the species. And hopefully you're still relatively healthy. Uh, it, that's not usually the case if you have some deviation of those two combinations. So uh, there you have that. One that I thought would I would probably make a major part of today's story also is there was a plan to buy coal mines just for the purpose of shutting them down. Turns out they had a hard time finding investors for that idea because here was the idea. And we've heard ideas like this floated before. Eventually we got to the point where uh, there was actually an effort to do it. In fact, Citigroup... Uh, was one of the primary names behind this. There were a few other firms involved as well. They attempted to launch a fund that would purchase coal mines and then just close them by 2040. Now, this, of course, was reported in the Wall Street Journal in case you want to do any further research of your own, because like I said, I'm not going to go very in-depth on this. And this will be the last of the quick hitters for today. But, uh, yeah, it turns out not that easy to get a lot of people to sink their money into just buying up some property just to have it shut down. I mean, first and foremost, there's no reason to close down coal mines. First, coal mines are so much cleaner an energy source now than they ever have been in the past. We have developed filtering technologies that allows us to prevent the level of uh, carbon emissions and soot and all these things that have been typically associated with the burning of coal and, and make it much, much more economically, not economically, I'm sorry, ecologically friendly. But you see, the folks on the left, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to know that there are good reasons to continue to use coal for the generation of electricity. They don't want to hear that there are good reasons, uh, even if it's just for economic regions, uh, reasons in certain regions of our country. Yeah, I've got a little ahead of myself, sorry. They don't want to hear those things, so you can't tell them. Well, this, I think, might have been a little bit of a wake-up call because by this point in time, they think they have enough people brainwashed into believing the whole man-caused climate change propaganda to get people to just hand them cash to go do this. We're just going to buy it. We're going to leave the coal right where it is, and we're going to kind of just slowly close them down. So you want me to invest in something to not use it. How do I get a return on that investment? Once again, proving that the left does not understand how business is supposed to work. Well, the return on the investment is that we save the environment. Okay, well, what if we simply find better ways to get to the coal that aren't as harsh on the environment? What if we continue to improve the technologies as we have been doing for the last couple of decades that we have seen marked improvement in the technologies to make this a much more environmentally friendly fuel source? How about we do that instead and then still get some value from this investment, actually get a monetary return on the investment? Because really, if I just wanted to buy some land to do nothing with it, why would I give any of my money to you? Why not just save it and hire a really bad real estate agent? It would have the same effect for me, except at least when I'm done there, I own a property that I solely can decide to go do whatever I'm going to do with, of course, within the legalities of the governmental constraints that I'm in, whether it's a municipality or a county or even if the state says, no, you can't do something with this part of this territory, whatever it may be, you know what I'm saying. So there you have it. Those are the quick hitters and quite an interesting uh, 
interesting idea, I suppose. Oh, yeah, let's buy a bunch of coal mines. Why? So we can close them. Brilliant. Uh, I just don't know what to do with these folks. Of course, the, the police also uh, caught a serial killer, uh, dubbed the shopping cart killer. That's a... Guess what? We'll do one more quick hitter. Uh, pretty interesting, actually. Uh, we don't see as many serial killers as we used to, and that has a lot to do with the fact that technology has improved quite a bit. Forensic science has gotten us to the point where uh, if somebody is engaging in serial criminality of that nature, typically we're able to catch them a lot quicker than we used to. So you you don't get the same kind of son of Sam uh, kind of situation. So I I think it's pretty interesting that we still have a few, but uh, they caught this one. Uh, Strangely enough, I had not heard too much about the shopping cart killer other than like a a passing story not too long ago. And I remember thinking, wow, I I had not heard about that until then. So, you know, what are we going to do? Anyway, let's get to some of the actual stories that I did want to spend some time on before we get to the uh, midway point of the first hour, because we're getting there awful fast. For the longest time, folks on the left, especially younger folks on the left, have been pushing to get marijuana legalized in multiple states, and California was one of the first states to embrace the idea. Well, as it turns out now, California's legal pot industry according to reports I'm seeing, seems to be collapsing. It's just falling apart. And it's not from a lack of interest. It's not from a lack of customers. It's not from a lack of cash moving into the hands of your would-be legal drug dealers. Uh, It has to do with, well, you remember I said California, right? I bet you could guess regulations. So the legal marijuana industry in California is collapsing, period. Recently, in a letter to both the California Governor Gavin Newsom and the Senate, the state Senate President Pro Temp, Tony Atkins, uh, the state Assembly Speaker, Anthony Reden, uh, a group of cannabis industry leaders wrote that, quote, we have been pushing I'm sorry, we have been pushed to our breaking point because of the regulatory system put in place after voters in the state passed Proposition 64, which, of course, is what decriminalized marijuana use and cultivation for adults over the age of 21 in the state. Uh, Back to quoting from the letter, Prop 64 was not passed simply to raise tax revenue, but to end the illicit market protected public health and safety and to create an accountable legal industry. Now, continuing with the letter quoting here, yet today, four years after the start of legal sales, our industry is collapsing and our global leadership and its legacy is at the brink of disappearing forever. It is critical to recognize that an unwillingness to effectively legislate, implement, and oversee a functional, regulated cannabis industry has brought us to our knees. Despite decades of prosecution by the government, we have been willing and adaptable partners in the struggle to regulate cannabis. Now, the group said that, and they also added repeated pleas to lawmakers that have allegedly gone unanswered. They made the claim, quote, we have collectively reached a point of intolerable tension, and we will no longer support a system that perpetuates a failed and regressive war on drugs. So California's greed to collect tax on the marijuana industry has literally got them thinking that this is still part of an effort to shut down the marijuana industry. 
Now, I have a hard time believing that that's really the hopes and dreams, the schemes, the plans of the leftist politicians in the state of California that's in the assembly. I really do. But they're not my legislators. I'm out here in Tennessee, so I don't know what's on their mind. I don't know what they've got going on. So, you know, maybe they're on to something like that. Maybe this was a case where they wanted to just make marijuana one more sin tax. I mean, the Democrats are notorious for trying to raise money by taxing things that they say that they don't condone, that, that is bad for us, a soda tax, a cigarette tax, you know, all these things where, well, that's really bad for you, so we're going to put a tax on it to try and discourage you from doing it because they're not just Big Brother, but they're also uh, the big uh, nanny state, too. So, Okay. You think you're going to be able to tell us what we can do. You think you're going to be able And the thing is, is that secretly they hope nothing changes because then they make these big budget plans based on the expectations of bringing in big tax dollars because they fully expect that most people are going to continue to participate in smoking cigarettes, in this case smoking marijuana, uh, regardless of what they do and how much it becomes, how much it costs, no matter what the new price tag on these items are. They fully expect that anybody that does quit because of the price is going to be made up for by new people who've always wanted to do it but never would because it wasn't legal. Now it is legal. They're going to jump in. They they make these uh, plans. They make these assessments. They They have equations written out so that they can try to calculate what the expectations are. And now, since most of these people aren't capable of doing simple math, they hire somebody else, a little smarter than them, to make a computer algorithm to do all the math for them. And then they just punch in numbers. And it's like, hey, look what happened here. But that's the expectation. So they have over-regulated the marijuana industry in the state of California to the point now that the industry leaders are acting as if they're about to walk away. Now, does anybody believe that's going to happen either? I mean, this seems like a pretty serious bargaining chip. Because right now, I don't think the state of California, based on its current revenue projections, can afford to lose that entire industry. But it would serve the uh, folks in Sacramento right if they did. And it would also serve the people that keep electing these individuals that they send to Sacramento right if they had to deal with the fallout from it there does come a point where if you are still in california if you haven't gotten your backside out of there and went somewhere where the state is purple and where you can vote to make it a little more red if you haven't done that yet that's your duty at this point that is what is left your greatest way to save America and to save California is to get the heck out of there and let them collapse. Let them learn because the only way some of these people learn any lessons is the hard way. They're going to have to fall flat on their face. They're going to have to deal with the full force of the results of their policies, not just boomeranging back, but going to have to hit them square in the face. They're going to have to feel all that pain. And in this case, I'm talking, of course, uh, figuratively, and we're talking about a financial pain. But they do need to understand, and every citizen that keeps sending these individuals to Sacramento needs to understand that it's the policies they're supporting that's making life so bad. It's the policies that they're supporting, the people that they continue to reelect that has sent crime skyrocketing through most of the state, that has turned places like San Francisco and Los Angeles into, or at least big parts of these cities, into uh, a vision of a third world country instead of anywhere inside of the United States of America. They need to feel the full impact of what these choices and decisions make. And the only way to do that is for you guys who are responsible, you guys who are business owners, or even you guys that are just hard workers that are tired of paying too many taxes because they don't let you keep enough of your own money to get out and let them deal with it, only having the people that think that uh, they should let the government have all their money, no matter how much they're earning. Well, they'll do better with it than I will. We'll let them try. Let them see how that 
pans out. Uh, a lot of very, very smart people have already gotten out of Dodge. The rest of you need to follow suit. And for the love of Pete, if you leave, please do not continue to vote in a fashion that might turn a purple state blue or a red state purple. Just don't do it because there's a reason why you picked those states. Because things are better there. You know why they're better? Because there's more conservative impact on policy. There's more conservative, and dare I say it, common sense economics in the policy, therefore in play, therefore everything's better for everyone. Don't believe me? Well, check for yourself, boys and girls. But when the marijuana industry is in trouble, I don't know what else to tell you, boys and girls. We're talking California. California and the marijuana industry is suffering, please. All right, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this very brief break. This is Tim Tapp wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas, a very Happy New Year. In 1852, British minister William Booth left the traditional church pulpit in favor of taking the gospel of Christ to the people throughout the streets of London. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. In the late 1800s, what became known as the Salvation Army began marching through the streets of the United States carrying the uplifting message of salvation. The Salvation Army not only preached the gospel... They helped the downtrodden, suffering souls who suffered from homelessness, hunger, and illness. William Booth had grown weary of how cruelly many churches treated or simply ignored those who were suffering the traumas of life. Mr. Booth and his wife Catherine labored tirelessly as they loved people through sacrifice and service. Until very recently, that remained the mission of the Salvation Army. But today, the Salvation Army is led by leftist individuals who have replaced the teachings of Christ with Black Lives Matter, CRT wokeness that has nothing to do with the uplifting of people from poverty, sin, or damnation. What a shame, and what a waste of yet another great and historic institution. I'm Ron Edwards. Please enjoy the coffee you want in your cup. It's Constitutional Grounds. Go to theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsor. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877 4 aid Vet. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Under them simple. Get to the weapons, use them any way you can. I know you won't break the rules. There aren't any.
and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Once again, the sounds of the season in the background as we come back. Uh, of course, you heard the Ron Edwards notebook. You heard the songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. And, uh, you know, it, it is the holiday season, so this is that time of year where more often than not we start thinking about being a little more charitable. So, if it's been a while since you've been over, or if you haven't yet taken the time to go visit the Songs and Stories for Soldiers uh, website, then please uh, spend a few moments, head over that way, and check it out. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just check it out and decide for yourself if maybe this isn't an organization that's worthy of a little bit of help from you. That's all I'm saying. Just, just visit the site and check it out. In the meanwhile, I'd also like to remind you that if you're going to enjoy the holiday season or any other time of the year, it really helps to be clean. And the best way to make sure that you yourself is clean is to have some Hero Soap. Uh, the Hero Soap Company, of course, is, as I have mentioned in the past, one of the most America-first companies out there. Uh, they've got all kinds of great products, all kinds of different scents. They don't have artificial harsh chemicals. Everything is natural. They source their ingredients uh, here in the United States as best they can, and the items that they can't source here, they still source from companies that are American companies that are importing it. So, you're still supporting an all-American uh, supply chain here. And beyond that, they also make contributions to charities that support our active duty military, that support our uh, veterans, and that support our first responders. So, how could you not be buying your soap from Hero Soap Company? So, what I'm going to ask you to do right there, please go down into today's show description if you're listening to the podcast. Copy that entire link that you'll see out there beside Hero Soap Company paste it into your web browser and go visit. By using that link, that's how they're going to know that I sent you. So, you know, you kind of help the show out a little bit too. Please just consider it. That's all I'm asking. It's Christmas. Okay. So, with that having been said, uh, no further delays. Let's get back into the show. Now, some of you may have missed it last week, although I'm not real sure how, when Nancy Pelosi decided that she was so desperate uh, to defend the idea of the free market economy here in the United States. Uh, it's funny, though. The only time a Democrat seems concerned about the free market is when it has to do with their own uh, bottom line, their own uh, pocketbook, if you will, their own wallet. And Nancy Pelosi, of course, is defending the idea that members of uh, the House or that members of the Senate should be allowed to invest in the stock market. Now, the president of the United States isn't. If they have investments, they have to put it in a blind trust until their term is up. Uh, there are other uh, individuals that, by the nature of their job, they're required to, if they are investing, put it in a blind trust for as long as they're holding whatever position is. And yet Congress is one of the few jobs that actually has direct oversight of policies uh, that would directly affect different companies that may be exchanged on the uh, stock exchange. So, uh, excuse me, but isn't that a conflict of interest? It's a question that's been brought up before. But Nancy Pelosi says, oh, no, 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 United, we, we live in a free market economy, and it would not be right, nor would it be fair to uh, interfere with the rights of uh, the members of the Senate, uh, members of the House, uh, members of Congress, regardless, to, to interfere with their right to invest as they see fit. Well, I got a little bit of an argument to make back. I'm going to give you some numbers, and, and getting most of this from an article that was over at uh, over at the Daily Wire, just for 
full disclosure. But members of Congress and their immediate families exchanged more than $630 million in stocks this year. Okay? $630 million in stocks. Now, a report from the New York Times uh, and uh, Deal Book is the uh, section. Based upon research conducted by Capital Trades, revealed that assets purchases announced to 200 it's actually should it be amounted not announced to but uh, amounted to 267 million dollars while sales amounted to 364 million dollars now about 60% of these trades were in company stocks with the rest split among funds, bonds, and other assets. Republicans bought about $100 million worth of stocks this year versus the $75 million for Democrats, according to the average of ranges that lawmakers provide in their filings, meaning that these numbers are based on what they're actually admitting to. Would it surprise you to find out that maybe there are trades that they didn't admit to. But it surprised you to find out that there may have been uh, some insider trading that was so insider that they couldn't admit to it. It wouldn't surprise me. And I'm not going to just sit here and say that it definitely happened, uh, but I'm certainly not going to pretend for a second that it didn't happen, because I think we all know the reality. Now, politicians from two major parties displayed distinct portfolio uh, preferences, too. Democrats are really into tech stocks, which accounted for some $35 million or so, uh, nearly half of all purchased by the group, versus only about 14% for Republicans. Microsoft was the most popular big-ticket buy. Uh, the husband of Representative Susan Delbern of Washington is a former Microsoft executive who sold between $5 million and $25 million in the company's stock back in October, which she reported passed the 45-day deadline, which, of course, uh, prompted a little criticism. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband is a real estate and venture capitalist investor who is active on the stock market himself, making a pair of million-dollar purchases of Microsoft um, just over the course of this past year, among a few other trades. Now, Republicans are more about energy, buying $32 million worth of stock in companies in the sector. During the past year, about a third of all purchases versus a mere 1% for Democrats. Representative Mark Green of Tennessee was associated with many of the biggest energy trades, uh, spreading six-figure purchases across a range of firms. Now, I'm going to let you ponder for a moment why is it that you think Democrats would be buying stock in big tech and why Republicans would be looking to purchase energy sector stocks. You see, the Democrats right now have the energy sector in such a confluence of messiness that you can get some pretty good deals. Right now, the energy sector is looking down. It's deflated. You could buy uh, some uh, pretty good energy stocks at a pretty discounted rate. It's practically Black Friday sales except for the stock market. And if you're presuming that your party is going to regain control of Congress starting, I don't know, maybe as early as the end of 2022, uh, then now would be a really good time because those energy stocks are most likely going to bounce back. Now, big tech is a solid investment most of the time anyway, but it is a value purchase. So the Democrats, uh, I think maybe... Uh, just as much as looking to see the blue chip value of some of these big tech stocks, 
also probably has a little something to do with their ability to manipulate the policies of the companies as a major stockholder. So, you know, maybe the effort to squash conservative speech might be at play here. But at any rate, according to the New York Times, members of Congress also traded some $26 million in stock options and $300,000 in cryptocurrencies. And that 300,000 number is actually kind of smaller than I would have expected. I suppose part of that is because Congress is really desperately trying to move themselves into a position of controlling cryptos, getting there and regulating them, uh, trying to centralize control of these decentralized currencies, kind of defeating the whole purpose of having cryptos in the first place. But several of them understand cryptos and several of them want to have a piece of that pie. But still, I would have expected much bigger numbers there. Now, this report, of course, comes just days after Nancy Pelosi basically totally disregarded questions on uh, why lawmakers should be allowed to trade on individual stocks. Uh, And uh, we've talked about that already, so there's a good question. Why should they? Now, I'm... I'm perfectly content with allowing these folks to uh, invest in the stock market, same as just about anybody else. It's fair. It would be reasonable. But if you are literally sitting on a uh, committee where you may have some regulatory capabilities or you may have some knowledge of some major obstacle coming up that would affect the profitability or at least the immediate cash flow of some of these companies, then that is the very definition of insider trading. Something that if you're not a member of Congress, you are most definitely not allowed to do. Something that if you were the President of the United States, you would not be allowed to do. There are criminal There are criminal actions that will be taken against you. It's considered an act of criminality. You'll face charges. You will find yourself in prison. Being that you're uh, fancy dancy and doing so very well, it may just be one of these club med prisons. But none of these people like being convicted of a crime because it means for most of them that their time in the soft, cushy job of being an elected office holder, that that that's done for them. That's probably the biggest reason they wouldn't like it. But nobody likes to have their freedom uh, restricted. I mean, nobody likes it. I I don't know why the Democrats haven't understood that simple concept when it comes to ending all these lockdowns. I don't know why they didn't understand why they don't get it. Uh, People will be perfectly perfectly content to decide on their own if you just say, hey, it's dangerous out there. It's probably best if you don't go out. There's always going to be a certain contingent of folks that's going to go out there and say, I'm doing it anyway because I'm wild and crazy. But then there's also going to be most people that are going to like, give us the real information and we'll decide from there. And if the best information suggests that the best course of action is to limit how much you're out and about and interacting with other people, I guarantee you most people will do that on their own. You don't have to enforce lockdowns. Enforcing lockdowns is the best, fastest way to get a full-blown rebellion going. Not that any of the Democrats have figured that out yet. Uh, Heaven help them if they decide to move as far forward as New Zealand and Australia have with their efforts of creating COVID camps and sending people there, even if there's no reason to have sent them. But we are living in the age of COVID panic. Right now we have Omicron panic, and Omicron panic is it's building up. We're seeing uh, the NFL postponing games. We're seeing the NBA postponing games. We're seeing all this craziness as uh, other 
uh, theaters are starting to shut back down. Uh, literally, one of the Broadway shows had seated everybody before they decided they were shutting down. It's like, okay, now that you're all here, I'm afraid you're going to have to get out. I mean, wouldn't it have made more sense to just say, well, since you're already here, we're going to do this, but please wear your mask, socially distance as best you can, all the stuff that they've been trying to make you do. That would have made more sense for them to say. I I know that the mask, unless you've got the KN95s, they're not really doing you much good, but it, if it makes you feel a little better, okay. And uh, the social distancing, eh, well, that, that actually does work if you stay far enough away from somebody, but that's kind of hard to do in a theater. But if you're around somebody that you're around when you leave, a family member or a close friend, what have you, uh, then chances are you're already exposed to whatever they've got going on, so it's too late there. So none of these measures that they've taken and tried to force down our throats really make any difference. But there's one thing that really sticks out that I'm not hearing enough people point out, and that is... If you're just listening to the mainstream legacy media, you would be led to believe that Omicron has quickly become the most dangerous variant that exists in the whole COVID-19 family. And the reason why you'd be led to believe that is because they're talking about how many cases that have been confirmed. How many cases? How many cases? How many cases? And then they immediately follow up with you on the numbers of how many people have died from COVID-19. Not, this is the important thing, not from the Omicron variant of COVID-19, but from COVID-19 in general. They're literally throwing you death totals that come from all the variants that have existed, including the original right now, that they have, what's the word, associated with COVID. As you will recall... They have associated a lot of deaths with COVID that COVID didn't have anything at all to do with. They were counting motorcycle accidents as COVID deaths if you tested positive. Dude just died because he became road pizza. Forgive my crudeness. Dude just became road pizza. And, oh, well, we just, uh, mandatory law now required us to test him, and it came back positive. We're not going to retest in case it was a false positive. And since he had it when he died, well, maybe COVID caused him to sneeze, and when he sneezed, he lost control, and that's why he had the accident. So, boom, COVID killed him. <laughs> Sometimes they didn't even make that kind of an effort. So pay close attention to how they're wording this. Pay close attention when you're hearing a news report on television or on the radio, or if you're reading the report, pay close attention to they're talking Omicron one second, and then suddenly when it comes to deaths, they switch over to just COVID.